Can I ask us all to turn in our Bibles to Romans 8, verse 5 to 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 14. And we're also going to go to Hebrews quickly, but let me just read this for you. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to the carnally minded is death, but to the spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if we through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons of God. This is go to Hebrews 4 verse 12. Then I'm going to pray. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says very simply, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the spirit and marrow. And it is perceived of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay? The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us, we pray this morning, to rightly divide your word. We pray that as a result of being here, we will be empowered, Lord, to establish your kingdom on this earth. Help us, Holy Spirit, as we share your precious word. Thank you for the power that is behind it, in the precious name of Yeshua. Amen. Praise God. The subject that I'm going to discuss this morning is carnal Christianity. Carnal Christianity. Paul the Apostle battled with this in his day and age, and the church, if I may say it, in this day and age, this is our biggest problem, okay? This is the curse of the modern-day church, carnal Christianity. Paul the Apostle battled with the Corinthian church. He said to them, he said, you know, I've been teaching you, giving you the milk of the word, all right? I've been giving you the milk of the word as babes. But the problem is, I gave you the milk of the word as babes, but you haven't grown. You haven't grown. You're still relying on milk. I can't give you the meat of the word. I can't give it to you. All right? Very much like you and I, a little baby, you try and feed them with a steak. As a child, a little baby going to enjoy a steak like a grown adult. No. A child will take one look at that and say, oh, horrible, throw it away. Give me my purity. Give me my milk. But you see, Paul's frustration was the church should have grown. They should have grown. They should have been in a place where they could take the meat of the word. But they weren't, you see. What does it mean to be carnal as a carnal Christian? Well, the key is really caught up in that one scripture where it says, the word of God divides between spirit and soul. Let me explain it this way. We all should know by now that as human beings, we are made up of three parts. We've discussed this ad infinitum. We are a body. Everybody knows we have a body. I mean, that's not even debatable. Everybody knows we've got a body. We've lived with this body. This body has talked to us. 
This body has given us a lot of pleasure, maybe a lot of pain, but it's helped us get from A to B, and it's been a very useful piece of apparatus, all right? But surely by now we realize we are not just a body. Amen? There's more to you and I than just our physical body. Were that the case, then when we die, that's it. Okay, that's the end. And what purpose is there in life if all we are is a physical body? Just to keep it satisfied. I mean, really, that's no life at all. All right? So you see, we know now, of course, that we're not just a physical body. There's a spiritual dimension to the human being. There is a part of us that cannot be seen with the natural eye. Not too difficult to understand. As I've said so many times before, you and I come into the presence of somebody and we either get a good or a bad feeling, whatever. There's something about the person that we can't even understand logically because we don't know anything about it. We just, in a sense, perceive it, all right? Why? Because you and I are far more than just a physical body, okay? We have a spiritual dimension. Now, you see, that's all very well and good, but let's try and explain this spiritual dimension, you see? The spiritual part of us is not just a spirit. It's not just an intellect. It's not just emotion, all right? It's not just feeling. The spirit part of us is, as the word suggests, spirit. You can't see it. But there are two distinct parts to the spirit man. Okay, as mentioned in this Bible here, it says the word of God separates between what the Bible refers to as the soul and the spirit. Right? Now please understand something. Your and my soul is our seat of emotion. It's a combination. It's our emotions, our intellect, and our ability to decide, to make decisions. Right? That is our soul man. We have a spirit man, which, as you've spoken about before, the moment you and I as children growing up get into sin, the spirit part of us dies, okay, gets separated from God. Death is separation. The tragedy of our world, like so many people, and myself included until the age of 20, walking on this earth, alive physically, our soul is still operating. Our intellect is still operating. We still have feelings, all right? We still have emotion. But the essential part of us, the God part of us, is dead, separated from God. Our spirit man is dead. Alright? Now you see, we as people on this earth operate according to the information we receive. Alright? And we receive information from the world system, and we can receive information from heaven. See, that's why we come to church. We come to church to hear the word of God, to hear information that should come straight from heaven. Alright? That's what we try to achieve here. We try to yield to the Holy Spirit. But you see, we operate at that level. Now, if our spirit man is dead, we are cut off from information from heaven. We cannot hear it. It's impossible. The Bible says that the man without the spirit cannot understand the things of God. That's why I will never, ever find myself in an argument with somebody about the things of God if they are not born again. It's a waste of time. It's a non-starter. It's like talking to a child about advanced calculus. Now, some children I know probably know a lot more about advanced calculus than I do. But you understand what I'm saying? It's a non-starter. It's no point arguing with somebody. Listen, if somebody says, I'm an atheist, wonderful, I love to meet atheists, I love them very much. They thought for themselves, I suppose. And they say, can you prove that there's a God? All right, that's a common question. Can you prove to me that there's a God? My next question is, first of all, when you say prove, what do you mean? Must I prove to you or must I prove to anybody else? All right? And if they say, prove to me, you know what I'll say to them immediately? It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. Do you know why? 
If you don't want to see something, you can't see it. Am I right? Am I right? If I've got a blindfold around me and somebody brings up something and they say it's red, I say I don't believe you. How much arguing are they going to do to make me believe that it's red? They can't prove to me that it's red. Why not? It's not red. I don't believe in red. Red doesn't exist. I'm a green man. But it's red. No, it's not red. I don't think it's red. I don't see it's red. You can't prove it to me. You understand? You cannot prove to somebody who's blind that something exists. The only way to prove it is that it takes the blindfold away. That's the issue, you see? And if a person doesn't want to take the blindfold away, they will never see it. Even if it's staring them in the face. Did you know that? You can prove that God exists, but you have to believe that statistics don't lie. If you go statistically, it's impossible not to believe. The facts are there. It's just, you cannot not believe that somebody made the universe. It's just impossible not to believe that a high intelligence, if you do it statistically. It's, just, it's a non-starter. But you see, if you don't want to see that, you won't see it. Can't. It's impossible. Even if there's a cross hanging up in the sky, declaring that he's alive, you won't see it. Let's just happen. Circumstance. You understand? You can't see it. All right? But supposing your spirit man is alive, okay, now you're in a position. You and I are in a position to receive information from heaven. You see, no? But we're still receiving information from the earth. Did you know that? The moment you got born again, did you lose your appetite? Did you stop going to the toilet? Was there no need to breathe anymore? You understand? Our body's still around. We're still receiving information from the world system. But now listen carefully, you see. You and I as human beings on this earth are stuck in the middle here. Our soul man, let me put it this way, our conscious awareness is moving all the time. It moves in the direction from which it receives information. Now let me explain it this way. If I'm sitting here and my spirit man is alive, right? And I make myself available to receive information from the spirit man. In other words, I get into the Bible, I do spiritual activity, etc. Then I start to become more aware of God, you see. A lot of people say, you know, I used to have such a good relationship with God, but then, you know, I lost it. Have you ever been in that position? Mm. Heard people say that? Can I ask you a question? Whose fault is it that they lost it? <laughs> Did God turn around and say one day, look, you know, I don't want to walk with you anymore. Bye-bye. I'll put you out to grave. Did he ever say that? No. no, he's always here, you see. He's always here. Always sitting on your case, in my case, amen? He's always around. All right? But you see, the question is, what are we doing to actually sow to the spirit man? In other words, as we spend more time giving him attention, we become more aware of him. It's very simple, really. But if we stop giving him attention, stop doing his activities, we start to become more and more involved with the world system. We follow the flesh, you see, and it's just a natural thing. It's just a natural thing. Whatever you feed will be strong. Amen? Feed the flesh as you're also fond of doing. And guess what? It will shout. It won't just say, it won't just suggest. It will command. You will eat that meat pie. Say Norman. You won't tell your wife that. <laughs> I think us married men should get together and write a little book. How to keep information from the wife. Hmm? <laughs> the disappearance of the total. Amen? I'm getting distracted here. But my point is this, you see. What is carnal Christianity? Carnal Christianity is when you and I are born again. 
We do not have the luxury of the excuse of saying we can't hear God. All right? But we spend more time listening to the flesh. Now, please understand, the flesh is not just carnal physical appetite. All right? It also affects your and my emotions. And this is where we get to the point. All right? This is the point. Carnal Christianity is when you and I, now listen, please get me very clearly here. God has given us emotions. Can everybody say amen? Amen. If God has given us emotions, tell me something. Are emotions good or are they bad? Are emotions good or are they bad? If God gave them to us, are they good or are they bad? They are good. Everything God gives is good. If God's given us imagination, it's a good thing. Right? Emotions are good things. Jesus himself expressed emotion. He looked over Jerusalem and he wept. Please, the moment you and I get into this sort of religious mold, feelings are bad. Come to church, banish all feeling. You understand? Feelings are for whips. Won't catch me as a man crying. Heard that one? Cowboys don't cry. Now this is the heart of the whole matter. Brothers and sisters, emotions are a beautiful thing. And as human beings, God expects us to experience the full range of emotion. Are you all hearing me? In church is a place to express emotion. Did you know that? You're praising God. There's no time to sit, you know, like you've been baptized in pickle juice, pretending I'm holy. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord. You know, those people are a bit rowdy over there. <laughs> mm, clapping their hands. How disgusting, disrespectful. Mm. <laughs> Don't catch me doing that. No, please, please. Emotions are very valuable. You know something? You and I need to learn how to express our emotions more and more. Can I just say that? Can I just say that? But here's the crunch. Please understand. This is the difference between a mature Christian and a carnal Christian. The difference is this. You see, true Christianity Rejoices in every dimension of emotion. It knows how to weep. Did you know that? You come across somebody who's in a difficult situation physically. Do you know how powerful it is when you know how to weep with that person? Amen? Do you know how powerful it is when you and I express joy? Do you understand? These things are very powerful. But the difference is, and please listen to, this is the heart of the whole message. The difference is this. The carnal Christian doesn't just enjoy his emotions. He's controlled by them. Are you hearing me? That's the difference. Controlled by our emotions. There's a difference between enjoying our emotions and being controlled by them. Jesus experienced the emotion of anger. Did you know that? There's a place in God's kingdom for the emotion of anger. Did you know that? There's a place for that. Righteous indignation. There's a story in the Bible when King Saul was first appointed. This one crowd came across, the Amalekites came boastfully and said to part of Israel, listen, we'll make a deal with you. Okay, what's the deal? We're bigger than you. We can override you. But listen, we'll make a nice deal with you. You can come and be our servant. Okay, we won't fight you. But there's one condition. We'll take out everybody's one eye. Then you can be our servants and we won't fight with you. That's a nice condition, don't you think? 
How would you like to say, yeah, I will serve you, take up one of us, it's fine, don't you? I mean, really? So this is a rough and ready crowd that we dealt with in the Old Testament. So they went to King Saul. When Saul, he wasn't even appointed king. You know what happened? The Spirit of God, the Bible says, the Spirit of God came upon him in anger. He cut up a whole lot of oxen, sent it to all the tribes of Israel, said, anybody who doesn't come and fight is going to be like this oxen. One way to run the country. That's conscription for you. <laughs> Send everybody a piece of bulltong. You either become like this or you fight. One of the two. So they're okay. <laughs> they're okay. And they won a the big battle over the Amalekites and they rejoiced greatly. And then Samuel the prophet said, let's establish the kingdom. That anger established the kingdom. Another example, of course, is Jesus chasing the moneylenders out of the temple. One man statistics, somebody says, I don't know if it's accurate, says it's close to half a million people. I don't know if that's true. But there were a lot of people. One man, with the anger of God, chased them all out. Righteous indignation. There's a place for anger. There's a place for feeling. But the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't spend your life being controlled by your anger. So hear me this morning. Carnal Christianity is not when you enjoy emotions. You get the funny impression that to avoid speaking in tongues and doing spiritual things, people refer to Pentecostals as those emotional people. The happy clappers. Who that we're the happy clappers. At least we're happy, don't you? That's a step forward. But I mean, they really say, oh, they're controlled by the emotions. And sadly, very often they're right. Please understand it. Carnal Christianity does not mean that we don't enjoy our emotions, but we are not controlled by them are not controlled by them. You see, when you and I are controlled by emotions, we put ourselves in the place where the devil can lead us by the ear into the pit. Did you know that? Can lead us by the nose into the pit. What am I talking about? When you and I start to be led by how we feel. Are you hearing me? That is carnal Christianity, brothers and sisters. Our lives are determined every day by how we feel. Listen. Last week, God was telling us we need to raise up an army. Can you all say to me? God wants an army. He doesn't want a whole collection of casualties. He doesn't want a happy-go-lucky crew. He doesn't want sort of like an entertainment center or religious. He wants an army. Now, have you ever heard of an army that runs on its feelings? Have you ever? Imagine you're sitting in the barracks there, and the enemy sends a delegation to the commander. They say, um... Sorry, sir, to disturb you, but um, how you guys feel? And the commander, as usual, you know, is a bit bubble lessons. So they say, oh, well, I see you're not in any condition. Okay. All right, you don't feel like fighting. Okay, right. We'll go back and we'll, look, look, we'll tell everybody no fighting today. Okay, we'll tell them to dig up the landmines. And, you know, we'll, we'll, okay. When you're feeling that, we'll, we'll fight. I mean, it's at a war. That's a stupid game. Let me tell you how it works. Do you know you, whether we like it or not, as children of God, you're in a war. Did you know that? You don't have a choice to be in the army. Yes, you do, actually. We have a choice whether we're going to fight. But the issue whether you fight or not won't decide whether you're in the war or not. You are. Let me tell you the nature of the enemy. The enemy does not come up to us and say, oh, sister, do you feel like a fight today? No, okay, I'll back off. Does he say that? I'll tell you what he does. Like a roaring lion, he waits. You know what? He waits for you when you're at your lowest moment. That's when he comes to give you a kick. Amen. Amen? And guess what, brothers and sisters? If you and I are in feeling mode, 
You know what we do? I don't feel like it. Let me just roll over, take a pull. Kiss my problems goodbye. Christian, hear me this morning. Carnal Christianity says things like, I don't feel like reading the Bible today. Have you ever said that? I've said that. I don't feel like it. Imagine your body says, I don't feel like eating today. Heed the call. Heed the call. Does your body say that to you? No, Becky, for you, Graham. No, no, no. <laughs> too lazy to raise hand to mouth, and that body will start shouting, won't it? Change five. Eat. You understand? Now listen, listen. Brothers and sisters, we're in a war. Okay? We have to fight. You cannot run on your feelings. We cannot run on our feelings. Oh, I don't feel like praying this morning. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like fasting. I don't think anybody's ever felt like fasting. <laughs> Do you? As soon as I hear the word fast, my body starts going to withdraw. <laughs> I don't feel like going to church. Getting very quiet, you know. I'm much more cozy in bed. I don't feel like going to home. So I don't feel like joining this crowd with prayer. I don't feel, you know, this is the anthem of the Christian church. I don't feel. Brothers and sisters, when the devil gets you and I into I don't feel, you know what happens? He rubs his hands with glee. Now I've got a carnal Christian on my hand. I can do whatever I like with him. Did you know that? I can lead him like an ox to the slaughter. And it's happening all the time. Let me tell you, Christian people are being led like dumb beasts to the slaughter every day. All because, you know what? The mode of I just don't feel. I was chatting to a man the other day, very kindly invited me to lunch, had a nice meal there, I was enjoying the meal, and he started to explain to me in a long, very sort of complicated intellectual reasons why he didn't think he should go to church. All right? And I was enjoying my fish and chips so much, I said, yes, that's wonderful, brother. Yes, yes, I agree. Very good. Carry on. Sounds good. Yes, carry on. I'm enjoying the food. Afterwards, shame, only afterwards, I just thought about this whole thing that he told me. And I just thought, you know, he feels that it's not really worthwhile. He's lost in the mess. He's seen tragedy after tragedy. His children are in complete rebellion. The whole family is in total disarray. They're not serving God. It's all a complete mess. And you know what? I started like the kids to join the dots. Join the dots. Brothers and sisters, you spend a life of making decisions on the basis of this doesn't feel good to me. What happens? It becomes a habit. Did you know that? It becomes like an iniquity. It becomes a way of life. I will only do what feels good for me. Alright? And as a Christian, you and I cannot afford that. Cannot afford that. Nobody in an army wakes up in the morning and there's dress parade. Oh, I don't feel like it. 
Dear God in heaven, I'll never forget this. Dress parade. Anybody's been in the army. You know what happened? Let me explain it to you. Every morning there's inspection. All right? An inspection is at an ungodly hour. An ungodly hour. Now let me tell you about inspection. Inspection means inspection. There dare not be one speck of dust anywhere in the whole barracks, okay? Your bed, let me tell you, the bed has got to be sharper, sharper than a knife. Don't think of sleeping on your bed at night. Forget about that. You sleep on the floor, brother, because all night you've got to make sure this thing is ironed. I never forget this. A bit of a joke in my life. There was one guy there in the army. His name was Jamie Rankin. Jamie was shorter than me, you know. He looked like a bit of a wretch. You see, and Jamie was one of these people that could never, ever get anything tidy. You see, have you met people like that? But Jamie is one of these people that's just yet untidiness written over here. And as I mentioned, we had this one Sergeant Major, Sergeant Major Gallagher. He was quite an imposing character. I should imagine he was quite a good soldier at one day. But by the time we got him, he'd gone a bit to see, thanks to some sort of golden liquid that seems to attract some men. But anyway, Sergeant Major Gallagher managed to get up early one morning, you see. And he comes into the barrack room, and we're all standing there at attention, you know, having not slept all night, having spent all night ironing our beds, making sure there's no dust, <laughs> shining our boots. Oh, those boots shine. I tell you, you never wore your boots. That's one thing you don't do. You don't wear your boots. Those boots are not made for walking. Those boots are made for polishing. And so you look at your face, and if the sergeant didn't see your face, you're in trouble. So here we are, and everything's thick and span. And I'll never forget, Sergeant Major Gallagher comes along there, and he comes next to, to old Jamie Rankins. And he looks down at this wretch who's now trembling in his boots who don't really fit, you see. He starts to shake. So Sergeant Major Gallagher goes to his bed and he doesn't look on the bed. He looks right under the bed. He rubs his finger along. And whether it was true or not, I don't know to this day, but he said, and what is this I see? Dirt. Fuck! Disease! He took his bed and went, <laughs> Jamie ran this stuff all over, and from then it was all of us, boy. Now it's dress parade, and now you've got to do this inspection, but not here on the field. But then move, oh, it's terrible. But that's the army for you. Did anybody say to him, we don't feel like this? Oh, master. It was unthinkable. Unthinkable. Now we've got this alcoholic sergeant major in a half-witted war, and it's unthinkable. And yet, and yet, brothers and sisters, when it comes to Almighty God, I hear me this morning, comes to the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, and he says to you, I think you need to get up and study your Bible. Cold. <laughs> Don't feel like it. Hear me? What does the devil do? <laughs> keep it cozy. I'll warm you. Send a little demon to keep your mouth off. Like, don't move, don't move, don't move, don't move. The face. Big things break your head. I'll feed you. What's that about? Let me tell you what that's about. You know what that's about? Have you ever heard the expression, fattening up for the kill? Have you heard that expression? Fattening up for the kill. I remember at one stage we had dealings with this crocodile skin industry. Overseas, people buy these crocodile skin handbags. It's beautiful, polished, and lovely. I don't even get shoes, I think. Maybe one day when I'm an evangelist, crocodile skin shoes. I'll have made it then, hey. Don't you think? You'd be proud of me. Crocodile skin. But anyway, 
I used to think, well, they used to go into the bush and shoot some old crocodile and cut him up. No, 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 no. Do you know how it works? Let me explain the crocodile industry. They take the egg, you see, and they incubate it. And this thing hatches, you see, and they look after it. Oof. They feed these little crocodiles the human equivalent of caviar. They make sure that the environment is smooth. The cement dare not have any scratch. All kept at the right temperature. You see, not too much sun for these little crocodiles. They take such good care of them. No harm will dare come near to them. Why? They're growing. 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 Then the day dawns and they're living in this luxury. Guess what happens next? I was there when they did it. The guy walks up to him with a tooth, he puts him in the back of the neck. Shoots the whole lot. Skin them and sell their skin. Reminds me a lot of Christians. Keeping ourselves nice and cozy. Make sure the preaching's not too cutting. Otherwise, we're going to complain. Turn it down a bit. Better still, let's not go to church. Let's just sit in front of television. Watch the most anointed men of God. Top of the range preaching. That's me. Only the best will do. Oh, that touches a sore spot. Let's change the channel. <laughs> oh, this blesses me. Here's my timetable. He blesses me. He blesses me. I don't like him. He, I'll just keep it nice. Music. Ooh. 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 Lay it on me. Lay it on me. I like a good bass player. Must be full sound. Must be precise. These guys must be good. I don't enjoy my worship. You understand? Keep the air conditioning at my temperature. I like flush seating. I like the color they've built this church. Mm, purple. Yes, 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 yes. Look at our preacher. My goodness me. What a fine man of God. Looks like a million bucks. Yes. Hallelujah. Keep it cozy. Keep the service down, you know. <laughs> Just within a comfort range. Don't spoil lunch. Please. Don't do that. Look after the kids. They're all out of my head. Yes, yes, church has never been great. Setting yourself up for the kill. Did you know that? Then the problems come. The issues arrive in life. But we haven't taken the time and the trouble to look into the Word and develop ourselves, spiritually ourselves. Carnal Christianity. Carnal Christianity. Setting ourselves up for the kill. And you know what the Bible says? This is, look at it. There's one more scripture. I'm almost finished here. Go to Hebrews again. Listen, Hebrews 5. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm almost finished here. I'll read it from verse 8. Hebrews 5, 8 to 14. There we go. Though he were a son, yet learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Listen, Jesus himself learned obedience how? The easy way. The easy way. No, he learned it by that which he suffered. Okay? And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Notice, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which is the first principles of the oracles of God, and become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Same thing. For everyone that uses milk, listen to this, everyone that is satisfied with milk, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He's a babe. 
But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those, now listen to this, who by reason of use, notice, reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil. You hear that? Have their senses exercised. In other words, brothers and sisters, what is he saying? You and I take the word of God and put it into practice. Take the word of God, put it into practice. You know what happens? Let me tell you what happens. We develop a hunger for the things of God. Did you know that? We develop the right sort of hunger. We become people that are used to meat. Let me tell you something. If you've had a decent steak, egg and chips is no turning back. Am I right, men? If you've had the mixed cook, you've had that on a number of occasions, are you going to go back to milk? Are you going to? Are you going to? You finish. If you get used to meat, guess what? That's all you're going to want. Hearing me. Let me tell you something. There's a place. If you feed your spirit on the word of God, the moment you stop reading the Bible, you know what happens? Start getting on edge. You develop a prayer life, a relationship with God. The time comes when you don't have a chance. You just feel sort of, I must get back. I must get back. You hearing what I'm saying? That's what God is saying to us. You and I need to develop this hunger in our heart for the spirit man. The spirit man needs to be strong, needs to be strengthened. That's why we preach like we preach. Amen. Because let me tell you something. Only people who are led by the spirit of God, are hearing me, are able to make the right choices at the right time, not based on how we feel. Actually breakthrough. Bible is littered with instances where people won the great battle. And I can tell you, at the moment of victory, if you had to ask them, how do you feel? Imagine the Lord Jesus on the cross, three hours into this thing. I'm from the BBC. I believe you are being crucified. Okay, now, let's a few questions for our first. How are you feeling? So the Lord Jesus turned around and said, well, while you mention it, you know, like Shrek, I've got a bit of an itch on my left buttock. Would you mind just scratching it? My hands are a bit tied up now. Really? I mean, how do you feel? Did the Lord Jesus say, I don't feel too good about this? <laughs> Daddy, take me home. I don't want to. Horrible people. Did he do that? Well, you see, you might say, well, that was the Lord Jesus. He was born for the cross, blah, blah, blah. What about a simple lady, the woman with the issue of blood? Imagine the same thing. The one opportunity... She calls to the crowd just before she's about to touch the hem of his garment. Oh, sorry, lady, we're from the BBC. I see you're trying to touch the hem of his garment. Uh, how do you feel? How do you feel? Let me ask you, how did she feel? I don't think in her whole life she ever felt worse. Amen? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, she had to push through the crowd. Does she every week sort of go and have push through crowd exercise? Oh, this is a piece of cake. I'm like the blue bulls. I push the crowd regularly. I just practice for this moment. Did you feel like, no, please. The woman was, after 12 years of hemorrhaging, I can hardly understand. I don't think any of us can understand how weak she was. She was totally rejected. She was broken. You know what? If you've ever been broke, you know how you feel when that happens. Dear God in heaven, I don't think anything worse. But yeah, this woman, she's got nothing, 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 nothing. But also got nothing to lose. But if you had to ask her, how do you feel? How do you feel? I can tell you, if she had to be honest, she'd say, I feel absolutely terrible. But thank God she didn't wake up on that morning and say, I don't really feel good about this. I'll leave it for another time. Maybe you'll come again. You understand? 
like us Christians. I don't feel too good about this business of Bible study. Like that one message, taught a message on avoiding calamity. Dear God in heaven. Imagine, imagine, not pitching up and calamity comes your way. Oh, where's God? Are you hearing me, brothers and sisters? You and I cannot afford to mess around with the things of God. Amen. We need to grow up. That's what I'm saying. I'm calling to people to have a bit of guts out there. We cannot carry on being guided by how we feel. If you and I are guided by how we feel, we'll go round and round and round. However, brothers and sisters, fill yourself with a good diet of the Word of God. Hear good preaching. Hear good messages. Put your heart into it. Do things for God. Actively interact with the living God in prayer. Whatever it takes, get your spirit man alive, well, get him working, get him functioning. You know what happens? The feelings start to change. You know that? The feelings, we start to have godly feelings. I can tell you nowadays, I hear a new word, and I'm always open to new understanding. But you know what? Somehow, you listen to some of the preaching that comes along, and you just think, something doesn't ring true here. When you investigate it, and sure as much, what do you find? Yes, there's something that's not actually in line with the Word of God. What am I talking about? It doesn't just happen overnight. It's a lifetime of reading the Bible, putting the Word into effect, you understand? What happens? We develop our senses. Our senses become trained to discern between good and evil. Why is it that everybody just goes after everything that's carnal nowadays as Christians? Sounds good. You know, looking for some sort of excitement, whatever, all over the place. The devil is setting us up. You know what? When the Antichrist comes, you know what his calling card is going to be? It's going to look so good. You know that? And he's going to smell Bible. Let me tell you that. And a lot of Christians have been living a carnal life say, this is what we've been waiting for. Amen? The very one we've been waiting for. Amen? The answer to all our prayers. What's happening here? Deceived. Amen? And some of us are going to say, no, this is not it. This is not it. Doesn't tie up. Something inside will say, no, 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 no. All right? Why? Those who've taken the trouble, brothers and sisters, to work with the Word, to work with the things of God in the small things, realize that we don't live according to how we feel. Learn that our feelings are liars. Amen? But able yet to enjoy feelings. Are you hearing me? There's a balance in all of this. But not led by our feelings. Not available to the devil to be led by the nose down into the pit. All right? Praising God all the way. I think I've said enough. Amen? Can I ask you? Let's make a determined effort. Amen? It's not something that anybody can police in your own my life. Amen? Is it my job to phone you up at 5 o'clock? Are you having your quiet time? I get a feeling that you're not. Well, turn around and say, are you having your quiet time? What you doing? Busy phoning me. Shut up and get on with it. You understand? Oh, have you read your Bible? Let's have a little quiz. How long was Samson's here? I mean, really? Really? Has somebody got to be a father and a mother and come and knock when you're 18 years old? He said, tidy up your baby. Mm. <laughs> what am I saying? Come on, people. Let us grow. Can you all say amen? Let us just grow up. All right? Take God by the throat in a way. Let his word change us. Let us become people 
of substance, not led by how we feel, but led by the Spirit of the living God. Amen.